0: He has forever defeated death. He becomes the first fruits of eternal life. He is the first resurrection body. He is the living proof that all who believe in him and love him, they too one day will be in glory with him and have a resurrection body that is no more subject to pain and death and sorrow and all the weakness and aches. Yes, Lord, we love you. Thank you, God. He rises from the dead. One incredible moment. Satan is toast. Hi, and welcome back to Live in the Light. We're thankful that you have joined us today. In fact, that word thankful is a key word where we're going today. We're looking back again in Luke 17 and the noticing the attitude of thankfulness. R. Kent Hughes said this, a thankless Christian is a contradiction in terms. And so as we carry forward in our series one thing, we're looking at simplicity in the area of thankfulness. Now with me in studios, our teacher, Pastor Robbie, and Robbie, thankfulness is a thing that I struggle with in our lives, and and I'm 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 str- I'm struggling with this even right now, and 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 I'm praying that God's word would be speaking to my life as well as to our listeners today. Absolutely, Craig. I mean, again, because the Lord cares so much that we are men and women who respond in gratitude. And let me just speak to our listeners right now. I mean, let's just be honest. A lot of the times, maybe we're not so thankful, and we find things to complain about. Sometimes we find ourselves whining. Um, Often we can look at what we don't have and we can look at others who do have and, and then we find ourselves again responding to the Lord, not with a thankful heart, but with a heart that seemingly wants more or is not satisfied with what we have. But I just encourage you, if you find yourself in that tough place today, listen carefully to the Word of God and listen carefully to the Spirit of God and see if He can turn your heart and your mind towards Him to see the cross, to see the reality of the resurrection, to see your salvation given for you by the grace of God. And you, you tell me if you can remain in a place of complaining or you are moved to a place of genuine gratitude for the glory of God. That's the goal of today's passage. Well, let's get right to today's passage. Luke 17, one thing in my attitude, and here now is Pastor Robbie. Loved ones, whenever the spirit of God is at work within a heart, gratitude always follows. Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit. And one of the signs you know that you are filled with God's Spirit and you are moving according to God's will is that you are thankful at all times and for all things. Gratitude is a sign of the Spirit of God at work and the Spirit of God is at work within this one leper. And the text then says in verse 16, it adds this, now he was a Samaritan. Now, if you're a Jew, if you're a Jew and you're listening to this and you're hearing this read for the first time and you're hearing this event being told and you hear now he was a Samaritan, that would make you go, and just like what a Samarit? Why? Because Jews and Samaritans, while well, they hated each other, which again speaks again to the devastation of leprosy. That Jews and Samaritans would really live with one another, that they would hang out with each other. But here we find a Samaritan giving thanks and praising and worshiping a Jew. Why? How? Only because of the grace of God, only by the grace of God. And what we see now is we see the reaction of Jesus to the response of the Samaritan, verse 17. Then Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed. Again, three questions he asked. We're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner of all people? He's saying. And he said to them, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus here is expressing disappointment in the nine. What does this tell us? It tells us that Jesus was expecting gratitude. Jesus knows where the glory belongs. Get this insight too. Notice Jesus here. He's not concerned with his own glory. He's totally concerned with the father's glory. He doesn't say, hey, aren't you coming back? Where are the others to come back and give me praise? As much as he's do that, his concern, his humility of our savior, he's just awesome. He's concerned here with the glory of his father. And now we see this now. We saw the subjects. We saw the miracle. We saw the response. Section number four, now we see this. We see the result. Now we see the result. And that's in verse 19. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. The reason this statement is so important is because although 10 had experienced the blessing of physical healing, Only one here proves to have real faith and real faith always results in spiritual healing or salvation. So in other words, as great as the miracle was of the healing of leprosy, verse 19 carries the greatest miracle of all. And what is critical here is that the Samaritan learns the full lesson of his healing from leprosy. Why was he healed? Ultimately, he was healed to reveal to him the glory of God. Ultimately, Jesus Christ healed him to reveal to him that Jesus is the true Savior, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And don't miss this in this text. At the end in verse 19, once again, you see true faith and true salvation merging together. True faith and true salvation merging together. So we've covered the passage and we've seen what has happened and as great as that is, and I'm sure there's lots to take away already, what I wanna do right now is I wanna make this personal now. And we're gonna call section five then this. We're gonna call it my attitude of gratitude. God's word explained to us, and now we take away this, my attitude of gratitude. And I want to end today with 10 takeaway principles from this passage. And the reason we do this is I desire that this would be cemented into our hearts and that this truth and what about this truth is most important. So here we go. Uh, My attitude of gratitude principle number one is this. Uh, God has done great things for us. Principle number one of gratitude is God has done great things for us. I believe the bottom line of Luke 17 in this in this passage is that we must be grateful for what God has done. See, living the one thing in my attitude, what it, where does that really come from? It comes from a sense, a sense of understanding who we are not and who God is. Our gratitude is on the foundation of understanding what we have done as in our sin and what Christ has done as in the cross. When you stand on the foundation and the reality of the gospel, then you like David shout out, Oh God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Always remember your salvation. It's not restoring the joy of my salvation. It's not your salvation. It's the salvation of God uh, given to you as a gift. You will then be a person as you stand, as you kneel, as you fall on your face to the cross and you are aware, then you become a person that says, oh God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And where there's joy, well, there's gratitude. Principle number one is that God has done great things for us. see Thanksgiving this weekend is more than turkey man it 's more than our staying we 've been blessed uh, physically and tangibly it, under thanksgiving and gratitude is rooted in the cross of Jesus Christ to take a new angle on this i 'm going to put up a slide here um, this fantastic theological description of the humiliation and the exaltation of Jesus Christ. We sat down as elders this week and we went through it it was such a profitable exercise. I believe God had led me to lead you through this as well. What you see here is the pattern of Jesus Christ and what he did. He came to earth and ultimately ending up to glory. And notice the pattern of coming down and then going up now. And I'm gonna walk you through this fairly quickly. You'll see though on the top left-hand corner, um, Jesus Christ, before he ever came to earth, has always existed, has always been. It says there, that's when he was in pre-incarnate glory. Before you ever had a heartbeat, before the world was ever formed, Jesus Christ was. He is the I am. He was with the Father in perfect harmony. He has always existed with God the Spirit. There Jesus Christ was again always existing. And just, just, just imagine his pre-incarnate glory. Imagine the perfection, the harmony. Imagine the relationship. Imagine the, the effect of the trinity and the unity. And again, the harmony and the beauty of that pre-incarnate glory. And then imagine, can we put that thing back up for a long time? Can you do that? And then imagine then uh, pre-incarnate glory leading then to the incarnation See, this is where the humiliation of Jesus Christ really begins. He is with God the Father, with God the Spirit, and he chooses to go from pre-incarnate glory and he chooses God the Son. God the Father chooses to send his Son and to place him as a seed in the womb of a virgin. Just, Just a minute, wrap your minds around the reality of the incarnation, where the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. He chooses to come. God, the son chooses to put on human flesh and to become one of us. Unbelievable. I mean, the humiliation begins. And from, this is why it's so, this is why it never ceases to me. Simeon holding baby Jesus and saying, and with a, a shout, and I just gotta imagine, tears in his eyes, he is saying, oh God, my God, my eyes have seen your salvation. He knows he is holding the son of God on earth. He knows the reality of the humiliation of Jesus Christ, God, the son. And then from the incarnation, we go to the earthly life of Jesus Christ. He then grows up and he gains favor and wisdom and he goes through childhood and then he starts to live his earthly life and he has come and he stands up and Luke chapter four, it says, and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah and he says, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, the Messiah, he's saying, the Messiah, and the Messiah, he says, and he comes to preach the gospel and as a human on his earthly life, he cries, he is tempted, he is tired, he is thirsty, he struggles as you and I struggle, he sweats, he, he has to see all the things that go on, he is fully human, yet he is fully God. And here he is going through all these things. Uh, Most of the people he encounters uh, do not like him. A lot of the people uh, hate him. Uh, Most of the people want to kill him. God on earth wanting to be killed by his own creator. And then from his incarnation, earthly life, then you see the crucifixion. And that is at the bottom of this chart because that is when he bottoms out This is the humiliation cannot get any worse. And the crucifixion then becomes God the Son being uh, nailed to a cross. He is spat on, he is ridiculed, he is uh, flogged, he is scorned. And there he is eventually, he is killed on a cross to die a horrible death. And as as awful as the physical pain is from dying on a Roman cross, by far the greatest pain ever is the spiritual pain of bearing the wrath of God on your behalf and my behalf. And here you can see from pre-incarnate glory to the incarnation to the earthly life, and now the crucifixion where he stands there and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the moment where he says it is finished, it is awesome, it is unbelievable, the humiliation of God on earth to die for you and I out of love. But it doesn't end there. And here we go from the humiliation of Christ. Now we start on the upward trend of the exaltation of Jesus Christ. And I pray that this will deepen your understanding and your love for what God has done for you today in a fresh way. Add in a third day, he rose from the dead. Somebody say amen. He rises from the dead. And when the moment he rises from the dead, he has forever defeated death. He becomes the first fruits of eternal life. He is the first resurrection body. He is the living proof that all who believe in him and love him, they too one day will be in glory with him and have a resurrection body that is no more subject to pain and death and sorrow and all the weakness and aches. Yes, Lord, we love you. Thank you, God. He rises from the dead. What incredible moment. Satan is toast. And then he goes from the resurrection, he appears to so many, he appears to 500, he encourages his disciples, he strengthens the beginning then of that church right there, he speaks to them again, he fires them up, but then he does not stay on earth, he ascends, and then the ascension, all the disciples are like, and they're watching him, and why is the ascension so important? This was was pointed out to me in a fresh way uh, this week, the ascension is so vitally important because... Pre-incarnate glory. He's with the Father. He's not in human flesh. He takes on human flesh incarnation, but he ascends. He ascends still as a human. Just think about that. He goes up as fully human, fully God still. Why? Because the day will come when you and I will see him face to face and you will still see the scars of the nails. You will still see the scars in his feet and he will be there in a physical body to embrace you and love you. It is Awesome, and when he ascends that way, that guarantees he is now in with, see the right hand of the father and the next one sitting at God's right hand, or it's called the heavenly session where he is right now, listen, he is interceding on behalf of his children. Awesome, at the right hand of God the father, he has been exalted to the highest possible position, which is why every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And then because he's the right hand of God's father, he only waits now for his second coming. For one day so soon he will return to gather his church and then we see future reign. The future reign, depending on how you believe your eschatology, but the future reign of Jesus Christ and this is what's guaranteed <laughs> eternal glory. No death, no sickness, no sin, no Satan, loved ones. All of this for the glory of God. Listen, for the glory of God and the love of you. And the love of you. But I wanna complain about my life right now. You don't, you don't get it. And I don't get it. God has done great things for us. Fuck, Father, forgive us. Forgive us for our attitudes that lack gratitude. Father, help us to be thankful for things that matter most. Principle number one, God has done great things for us. Principle number two, God wants our gratitude. Do you know that God wants your gratitude? True salvation must result in gratitude genuine and true salvation must result in gratitude you know what it says in romans 1 romans 1 talks about the men who rejected humans who rejected the lord even though god has given no excuse to not believe in him through creation his eternal power his invisible attributes there is no excuse romans 1 says for anyone not believing in god because you look across this world and you look at creation and you watch a child being born and you look at sunsets and who do you attribute that to and god says in his word there is no excuse for someone not to believe and it says but people although they knew God, it says, did not honor him and did not give him thanks. Instead, they were given up to their depravity and their wicked minds, and they chose to honor themselves as opposed to Jesus Christ. We can't be those people, obviously, because God because God wants our, God wants our gratitude. This weekend being Thanksgiving, You know, I think in our nation and you think of this continent or whatever, how many celebrating things, how many will give thanks to the one to whom it is truly deserved? Not many, not many. I'm not sure who they're thanking. Maybe each other, but see as believers in Christ, in this story, Jesus says, where are the other nine? He says that, I mean, in a sense, he says to us today too, where is the praise to the one who is due? And it's okay for him to say that because he's the only one who can get credit. Listen, God wants your gratitude because he loves you and because it's due him. Principle number three, gratitude is so healthy. Gratitude is so healthy. Did you know that depression continues to be Canada's fastest rising diagnosis? In the last decade, a depression visits to the doctor doubled. This speaks loudly to how dissatisfied our society really is. Why? Why? Without apology, I say because true fulfillment is found in Christ alone. And you know, in our day, there's such the pursuit of pleasure, more pleasure. If I can have more pleasure and more of me, then, then I will be happy. Revi Zacharias profoundly said this. He said, meaninglessness comes not from being weary of pain. Meaninglessness, rather, comes from being weary of pleasure, he also said this, he said, the loneliest moment in life is when you had just achieve what you thought was the ultimate and it lets you down. There should be um, mm's after that because it is so true. Think of all these people, if I can just, if I can just get, if I can just have, if I can just be, and they get it and then they, and then they realize that that's not it either. See, this is why gratitude is so healthy. But we see, we live in a day of great paradox. Listen to what Regis Nichols says. I'm going to ask you to listen. This is, this is important. He said, he said this. He says, happiness, it seems, eludes us. And it has little to do with our current economic woes. This is written recently. For despite the global financial crisis, we enjoy social, technological, and economic conditions that would have been considered utopian less than a century ago. Yet unhappiness and even depression are at record levels. The impressively researched book, The Progress Paradox, written by Greg Easterbrook, observes that by every measure of well being, our generation is better off than any of our forebears. We enjoy more leisure time, better health, less air pollution, higher levels of education, higher per capita income, and greater personal and civil liberties than at any other time in history, even compared to the calm 1950s. Our generation has a better in terms of real income, home and car ownership, not to mention morbidity, mortality, education, environmental quality, and the fair treatment of minorities." Whereas in the past, these benefits were limited to the rich and privileged, today they are realized by a wide spectrum of society. For example, he says, in 1960, 22% of Americans lived under the poverty line compared to 11.7% in 2001. I believe Canada's even less. All these material measures should add up to increased sense of well-being, but they don't. Theologian David Wells notes that by 1990, there were two psychotherapists for every dentist and more counselors than librarians. And today, the incidence of depression is over 10 times that of the 1950s. Gloomliness in an age of unprecedented progress is a paradox in need of an explanation, he says. The explanation is when you check out God, you check out your purpose for life and you check out the only one who can truly satisfy. Loved ones, gratitude is so healthy. Our highest thought cannot be replaced with ourself. When our highest thought is replaced with self, this will always lead to depression. And this is why gratitude is so healthy. This is why you must climb out of the pit of self-indulgence and self-absorption and live for something beyond yourself. And what the Samaritan does here, he places himself at the feet of Jesus Christ, who is his source for life. And he is absolutely ecstatic with joy for the reality of where he is. And this is why Proverbs 17, verse 22 says, a joyful heart is good medicine but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Gratitude equals health, spiritual health. Principle number four, thanksgiving is worship. Thanksgiving or gratitude is worship. Do you realize that the grateful heart learns the language of heaven? The heart of gratitude begins ahead of time to learn the language of heaven. In Revelation seven, we find the angels, elders, and four living creatures falling down on their faces. And here's what they say. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, listen, and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, they say. Amen. And notice in our text today, the Samaritan falling down, all of heaven falling down at the feet of God. Why? Why? Because gratitude is humility and worship In action, how often does the Bible say, give thanks to the Lord, oh, praise his name. Give thanks to the Lord, his steadfast love endures forever. Loved ones, one thing in my attitude. One thing in my attitude. Principle number five, gratitude fights against sin. Gratitude fights against our fleshly sin. Here's another reason why gratitude is so powerful. Here's another reason why I love, love gratitude. As we said around here before, and i like to say it again, it's very, you have to work very hard at being grateful and grumpy at the same time. You have to work hard at being grumpy and, and still being grateful at the same time. Why? Because gratitude is... Overcomes the negativity. Gratitude fights against the flesh. Again, according to Ephesians 5, gratitude is inviting the Spirit of God to work powerfully through your life. Listen, the Holy Spirit loves gratitude. The Holy Spirit wants to see gratitude grow in your life. Gratitude fights against sin. Principle number six gratitude in Christ cannot be exhausted. When it comes to gratitude for the Christian, gratitude is a perpetual feast. You can't run dry with gratitude. You will never run out of things to be grateful for in Christ. Proverbs 15, 15, the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. So the optimist, cup half full. The pessimist, cup half empty. The child of God, cup runneth over. But see, we need to live like that because that is your truth. That is my truth. And so we need to take the truth and then implant it in our minds to affect our thoughts, to then empower our behaviors. Stop believing the lies. Principle number seven, gratitude is a choice we make. It's a choice we make. What does the grateful heart do? It acts decisively and quickly. Listen, if you put off gratitude, you'll forget it. If you put off gratitude, you'll forget it. The the nine lepers, they hesitated and never returned. When it comes to gratitude in your life, listen, don't put it off, put it on. And do this, man, do me a favor. Do it. When it comes to gratitude in your life, I mean, speak it out and speak it out loud. With, with, with a megaphone voice, the Samaritan leper did this. And, you know, I think some of us, a lot of us sometimes like we think this stuff, but we just don't say it. Why would you ever withhold the ability to bless people around you with being thankful for things in your life? Husbands, if you're thankful for your wife, can you please say that out loud? Can, can you please acknowledge? Because what you're doing really, I mean, you're just it's it's a work of God's spirit through your heart to say, honey, you're the best. Wives, if you're thankful for your husbands. Can you, can you speak that out loud? Again, this is, this is about the, the Lord's work. And if you're, if you're thankful for things around, if you're, if you're praising God, if you're, if you're thankful for someone who needs it, can you go up and again, what I always like to say, when you go up and say, and you're just like, man, you know what? Like, you've been such a blessing to me. Like, I don't think Jake's gonna punch me in the face. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think like, man, and I've been so blessed by what you've been doing. And you're, I don't think he's gonna try and say, how dare you say that to me? All that's going to do is encourage him and bring more unity to our relationship and give glory to Jesus Christ. Gratitude is a choice we make. It's a choice, and you got to choose an attitude of gratitude. And listen, listen. It's never again. It's never a matter of saying, "What do I be thankful for?" It's all that we've talked about. It's it's all that Jesus Christ has done for you, and that never ever changes. Principle number eight: gratitude sees right through the superficial. It sees right through the superficial. So the grateful heart finds joy and blessing in the otherwise mundane. What others might take or miss and take for granted, the grateful heart scours their life for the grace of God, which of course will always be easy to find. It sees right through the superficial. Principle number nine, gratitude takes no blessing for granted. Gratitude takes no blessing for granted. John 3, verse 27 says, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You see, so gratitude should be easy because there's nothing good in our lives that we can take credit for, okay? Okay, there's nothing good in your life. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father who is in heaven. And the grateful sees this, the grateful heart loves this, and the grateful heart gives thanks for this. It's just the grace of God. But step back and don't don't pat yourself on the back for all the money you've earned and your ability to like, I mean, just pat God on the back. God, you're awesome, man. We are so blessed. We are so blessed to have anything because it's all grace. It's all grace. Uh, Principle number 10, our last one's this. Gratitude or thanksgiving does not forget. Gratitude does not forget. Psalm 103 verse 2 bless the Lord. This was a great grace I grew up with with my parents. They said this is grace and they still do. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. When we want and complain, we're not getting it. We're forgetting. We're missing it. It's not where we should be and it's not where the Holy Spirit wants us to be. You know, our passage today explained that nine out of 10 people chose not to thank the Lord Jesus Christ. Our passage today explains that 10% of those given the opportunity for gratitude, only 10% took it. As we live the one thing life, we'll be part of that 10%. You're listening to Live in the Light with Robbie Simon. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light.